0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Today, we're going to talk about Juneteenth. And uh, I just had a conversation with Dr. Claude Anderson. Uh, We talked for a little bit, and he gave me his feelings on Juneteenth. He shared his sentiments with me, and I wanted to share them with you. Uh, He gave me some notes. I took notes, and I also have some references from one of his books that I want to read to you uh, to explain exactly why he has a big problem with Juneteenth. Uh, I want to make this 100% clear. Dr. Claude Anderson is not happy with the federal holiday, Juneteenth and all that. He's happy you get the day off from work, but there's a whole lot more to it, and I'm going to break some of this down for you. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, share button, subscribe button if you have not done that yet. We're going to get started on DrBoysTV.com right now.
1: Here we are, clandestine isms, cataclysm, great people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out, out here, here doing it, but we the ones who late. Not family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power. Never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs. Support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees. Triple ten. Three PhDs. Now we on the CNN. DBTV. Let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Doctor Boyz TV. Here
0: we are. Hey, what's going on, guys? uh Welcome to DoctorBoyzTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, This is a platform for those of you that want to be black and those who want black people to be better. And uh, we also go by the B1 philosophy. B1 means that we must put ourselves as a top priority. Nobody else. We will solve our own problems before we solve problems for anybody else. B1 also means that we believe black people can be number one in economic intelligence, financial literacy and everything in between by the year 2050. B1 also means we understand we must be one in order to be successful. If you agree with that philosophy, put a hashtag B and the number one in the chat, hashtag B1. B one is our calling card. Put that in the chat if you agree with that with the B one philosophy. Also, in the Black Business School, our Black core of three is that we believe Black people should educate our own children, create our own jobs, and support Black businesses. So, everybody, please uh, let me know if you agree with that philosophy, and then we can get started. Also, hello to everybody on Instagram. My Instagram is the Real Boys Watkins. Give me a yes on, if you can hear me. Give me a yes in the chat if you can hear me right now because uh, on my Instagram. I have you guys on my phone, and my phone just rang, and I had to. I hit a button. So let me know if if uh, if the uh, if you can hear me. Give me a yes if you can hear me. Just that way I can make sure that I'm coming through okay. Can you hear me? Okay. I see some yeses. Good. Thank you very much. And uh, somebody said 2050 is too long. No, 2050 is not too long when you talk about empire building. China has a 200-year plan for their uh, society. I don't know if y'all know that. The Japanese have 200 and 300-year plans. See, what y'all got to understand is that if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Uh, my number one statement to my kids, if I brought one of my kids down and said, what is, the fa- what is the thing that Boyce likes to say more than any other thing in the world? You know what they would say? They would say preparation is the key to success. Preparation is the key to success. Wealth and power don't come overnight. It doesn't come from winning at the bingo hall or going on the casino boat and hitting, hitting the lucky number. Wealth does not come from getting a record deal and having some white man write you a check. Wealth comes from long-term planning and preparation." Do you think that they gentrified your neighborhood by, do, do you think they've started planning for gentrification last week? Give me a yes or no. Give me a, give me a yes or no. Do you think gentrification, do you think last Tuesday they said, Hey, we're going to go and gentrify all the black neighborhoods? No, they were planning for gentrification 50 years ago, 50 years ago. They plan across wealthy people plan across generations. So the first step toward becoming wealthy is to start acting like a wealthy person, thinking like the thinking the way a wealth builder thinks and a wealth builder is a long term planner. Long-term planning is your first step to becoming an investor. The life that I live right now, and, I, and I'm and i not a guy who's on Instagram flexing, pretending to be happy with my life. I really am happy with my life. I really am happy with the amount of money I make. I really am happy with the beautiful woman I married. I really am happy with the fact that I lost all this weight. And understand this, a lot of the life I live right now is because of things I did 30 years ago. Things I did in 1992 play a huge impact on the things that are happening in 2021. So Anybody who thinks that a, t- a fifty-year plan is too long for Black people have to under- understand that that's short. That's not a long time. Fifty years ain't nothing when you're talking about nation building. It really, that the fifty—that's the the baby plan. The long-term plan is two, three hundred years into the future. So come on now, we got to grow up a little bit. All right. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, please. Hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Uh, I just had a conversation with Dr. Claude Anderson, and first of all, let me just stop for one moment. I'm, I, sometimes I'm a little bit too business oriented. First of all, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the daddies out here that are doing the damn job, getting it done, getting it in, putting it in, making it happen. Thank you to all the biological daddies. Thank you to all the step daddies. Thank you to all the bonus daddies. Thank you to all the part-time neighborhood daddies. Thank you to all the daddies who are coaching youth football teams and mentoring little boys who don't have a daddy. Thank you to every black man on this planet who cares about black children. That is a daddy to me. You are a daddy. You are a father. I don't care if you never gave birth to a child. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you 100%. Now, now, I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to take in, you can you can give me, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and celebrate. If it's, if it's okay, I hope I have permission to do this. I'm going to go, today is my birthday uh, and it's my 50th birthday. So the big five old. So I will take in all the happy birthdays that you have for me. Go ahead. Come on. Go ahead, just it on me. My daughter called me this morning and she, she sang happy birthday to me. Then she started beatboxing. It just sounded crazy. But it was the most wonderful thing in the world. I wish I could have recorded it because I would have kept it for 100 years. So, yeah, so I will go ahead and take in the happy birthdays. Okay, so so forgive me for taking that moment. I know that it's, it's, it's probably a little long-winded because y'all want me to get to the point, but I got to go ahead and do that to let y'all know I'm not a complete nerd in terms of being focused on the task at hand because I'm really thinking about what I want to share with you. I just want to take a moment to let you know that I am appreciating the moment and I love you very much. All right. So here, here's the deal. So I called Dr. Anderson today. And Dr. Anderson is my second father. I have a a, a well, actually, I have three fathers. I have a biological father, uh named Boyce. I have a father father, who was my technically my stepfather, but he was my real father. And then I have called Anderson, who is my next father, that is my intellectual father, uh, and I as spiritual. I love this man immensely. So I called him and wished him a happy father's day. And we got to talking about black folks. And let me tell you, Dr. Anderson loves black folks to the T. He loves you so much. He all he talks about is black people. Even when y'all ain't thinking, even people ain't thinking about him. He's he's thinking about black folks. He's talking about even whether he's he's on, whether he's on the speaking tour or not, he's always sharing ideas about black folks. And one of the things we're talking about today was this Juneteenth holiday this Juneteenth federal holiday. Now give me a yes or no. If you feel a little bit weird about this Juneteenth holiday, give me a yes or no. If you kind of feel like there's something missing here. Uh, give me a yes or no. If you kind of feel like, well, maybe they, they skipped the step, right? I, I don't know about y'all, but I I personally felt like, okay, wait a minute. We, you, we, we can't get you to say the word reparations, but you've given us this s- symbolism. Uh, you promised to meet with ice cube after the election, the Biden administration promised to meet with ice cube and his, his team of scholars, uh, he has he has a team of scholars. It's not just them talking to a rapper. This ain't this wasn't a Cardi B conversation. This was a conversation with him and his team of scholars. And I know these scholars. They're very, very bright. Uh, they promised to meet with him after the election. They did not follow through with that promise because we he and I, Cuban, I knew it was B.S. from the jump. We said, oh, yeah, they 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 really planned, Yeah, they're really going to meet us after the election. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. We knew it was B.S. They knew it was B.S. Well, guess what? Months later, it was B.S. Uh, they haven't even talked to black lives matter. I mean, these are pretty much the safe Negroes. These are the ones who really want that integration piece. They want to be on your team and you won't even talk to them. So you haven't talked to black lives matter. You haven't talked to ice Cube's team. You haven't uh, talked about reparations, but yet you come through with this Juneteenth holiday stuff. So what that's been designed to do, is it's basically taking advantage of those in the community who don't have a lot of political and economic consciousness. That is, they're, they're appealing to the uh, lowest common denominator in the sense of people who will just settle for anything. You know, it's like the guy who comes to the club and wants to meet a woman. And the first woman says, well, you know, I'm here to meet a man that uh, I can maybe one day marry. And he says, no, nah, that's too much for me. I don't want that responsibility. And then the, the the next woman, he she said she says, well, I expect a man to treat me with respect and to commit to me at some point if it's a quality relationship. He says, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want all of that. Then another one says, look, I just expect a man to take me out to eat a couple times and just be nice to me. You know, we, it ain't got to be serious, but I just want to be nice to me. He's like, no, 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 that's too much. I can't afford. Who can afford to go to Burger King with those prices, right? But then you run into the bottom of the basement. You run into that person who says, I'll go sleep with you in the bathroom. I'll just, you know, you, you just drop it like it's hot. Cardi B told me that that uh that, that if you give me a couple of dollars, I should shake it for you with uh, do whatever you want. He says that's my woman. That's the one that I want. Right. So basically with black folks you have different people with different standards. You have different levels of standards in terms of what we expect. So you got the black folks at the top who say cut the damn check and don't just make it a little check, make it a big one. Don't make don't give us the wrong check, give us the right check. Don't give us the tiny amount, give us the real amount. Don't give us the little kid money, we we want the big boy money, right? Those are the people that they don't want to talk to because those people have receipts. They have books like Black Labor White Wealth written by Dr. Claude Anderson which ex- extensively and in detail explains the whole reason why black people deserve reparations. There's no study needed. There's no reason to spend seven years looking into it. Dr. Anderson has been looking into it for 40 years and the receipts are all over the place. That's a delay tactic. That is a delay tactic. That's what. That's a game in politics. They just delay, right? And then you got black folks who who say they'll take, you know, maybe a medium sized check. Like, look, we just want you to do something. Just do something that we can touch and feel, and and that's okay too. I'm not dismissing those individuals at all, uh, because because I can get that. I understand why you might be in that category and say, look, we aren't, we aren't, we don't get fifteen trillion, but we'll take five trillion, or maybe even two trillion, three trillion, whatever. <clears throat> I don't agree, but that's fine right? And then you get another tier below where, where you maybe you get black folks that want maybe some federal subsidies and small business loans and things like that. And then you get black folks that just don't want nothing. They don't want nothing except the uh, possibility that they can go to the grocery store and have white folks uh, sell them, you know, sell them some beef jerky without calling them the n word. Or they want to celebrate the idea that they can go work for a white man's company for the rest of their lives and leave nothing to their children. Or maybe that they can go and live in a white neighborhood, or or maybe they can go to a big white university and have white folks bring them in and let them, you know, maybe I, I don't know, maybe take a class on critical race theory or something. And that, no disrespect to that, I'm not disrespecting that, right? But 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 really. They they're, they're not really at the, the same space we are. So to some extent, people like us are a little bit radical. I think the B1 philosophy is a lot for people to take in. I don't think it should be, but, but you know, because I think putting yourself at the top of the priority list is okay. I think it's okay to be black first, but some people think that's a little bit too much. We're asking for too much. And I think that those people that are at the bottom of the barrel, are the ones that they're appealing to with this Juneteenth holiday, uh, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Juneteenth holiday is symbolism. That's all it is, pretty much. That's pretty much all it is. I mean, you know, there is that added benefit that it is a federal holiday, which means you get to take off work. Fine. Um, You're going to start seeing it become corporatized. You're going to have, you know, uh, the Juneteenth mattress sale at your local, you know, mattress company. Right. You are going to have these stupid Juneteenth dinners at these racist universities that don't even hire black people. They don't hire any black people. They use up black athletes and take a billion dollars in wealth out of the black community every year. Uh, Don't have a lot of respect for black folks in general. Don't want to talk to black folks like me or Dr. Anderson or or a Farrakhan type person. But they will uh, sit there and have a Juneteenth dinner with you on campus and make you feel like everything's okay for that particular day, right? And they'll talk about little, polite little things like microaggressions and how you can be more racially sensitive. As and, and, and in their mind, they're like, yeah, let's just be nicer as long as we get to keep all the money, as long as we keep all the power, as long as we are driving the car, as long as we are controlling the campus, as long as we are controlling the corporations, as long as we are controlling the media, as long as we are controlling the resources, then let's just be nicer to our slaves. Let's be nicer to our black people that come work for us because it ain't right to be mean to black people. So instead of actually giving black folks the big boy money and, and, and partnership status in this country, economically speaking, they, they say, well, we'll write a nice little check. You know, a, a, a hundred billion dollar corporation will write a check for five hundred thousand. And they know that people who ain't got nothing are going to be thankful. They're going to say, thank you, sir. And they're going to go on about their day right? That's fine. I'm not dogging that, but i that's not who I am, right? I, I know the receipts. I know finance. I know money. I know wealth. And I know when you're playing me. I, I just know, right? So anyway, um, as I move forward, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. And I want to remind you guys that I have a book that you can have for free. It's called, uh, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar. And it, it it lays out my 50-year vision for the black community. I think it's a great book for your family. Uh, feel free to go take a look at allblackeconomics.com. The URL's on the screen. That's allblackeconomics.com. Hit the thumbs up, button. And take that. Take one second. Hit the thumbs up button and put a B one in the chat after you hit the thumbs up button. So let me uh, let me first of all summarize what Dr. Anderson said, and then I'm going to read to you what he told me to read to you. And this is from his book called The Black History Reader. This should be the first history book that your children read. It's the Black History Reader. You can get a copy at his website, Powernomics.com. Uh, and uh, and so the uh, the first thing he said is that that Juneteenth, um, pretty much. Was just a a military tactic. Uh, it was a military tactic where black people, just like today, were used as pawns in a battle between the liberals and the conservatives. Now, how often have you seen that happen? Where black folks are used as a pawn to win an election, or as a as a as a tool in a major power play? Right, the liberals and conservatives are going back and forth. The liberals are saying uh, that the conservatives are going to kill you. The conservatives are saying the, the liberals are running a plantation, and you're kind of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? You're literally like a hoe trying to pick which pimp you want to go work for. Like, when yo, bitch told me. No, yo, yo, bitch told me, right? Like, it, it becomes literally like that movie, like the go- Goldie the pimp arguing over which guy owns this woman, right? When really she should be owning herself right? Really, she should be walking out of that whole situation, but maybe her self-esteem isn't intact like a lot of our people, so they're scared to kind of say, I'm just going to be B1. I, w- I want to own me. You're not owning none of this, right? But but that's what they do. So, so basically, this game has been going on for hundreds of years. It isn't just something that just started uh, this week. It's not something that just started in the last election. It's something that has been going on since forever, And so basically what you have, what you have with Juneteenth and the the origins of it was the liberals, the the people in the north, your so-called friends were basically saying, "Okay, how do we hurt the people in the south? How do we hurt the conservatives? They said, oh, I know what we can do. We can free their slaves. We can declare all their slaves to be free right? And, and that's going to hurt them. That's going to undermine their power. So, so we know the game, right? They didn't do it because they love us. They didn't do it because they felt like slavery was just horribly wrong. I mean, there were black people being lynched in the North. I don't know if y'all know that. When, when black folks came up North and were taking jobs from white folks, when they were taking jobs away from people that felt that those jobs belonged to them, where they were challenging their white entitlement, they were killing those black people in New York. Don't think that because you're going to them with, you understand when I went from Kentucky to New York, I thought I was going to a place where the white folks are nicer up there. And some of them are very nice people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I hate white folks. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying I hate anybody. I don't have time to hate nobody. But do you understand that I ran into more racism up there than I saw back home? I said, ain't this a bitch? Wait a minute. <laughs> Y'all supposed to be our friends, but you're not acting like my friend right now. You're acting a little bit like an oppressor. So this is a tradition. This is a tradition. So one thing Dr. Anderson said is that Juneteenth was pretty much a military tactic. It's nothing but symbolism. He mentioned uh he said two billion acres. I gotta double check that, that of land that was given away mostly to immigrants. And now two billion acres sounds like a lot of land. So I wonder how many acres of land are in the US. Let me see. The U.S. has 2.43 billion acres of land. So yeah, 2 billion sounds like an accurate number. So what he was basically saying, I, I'm going to extrapolate on this and assume that what he meant is that we should be getting some of that 2 billion. I'll take 1 billion. How about you? How about this? How about we vote amongst intelligent black people? If they if they offer to give us a billion acres of land, how many of y'all would be okay with that? Would y'all take a billion acres of land? Right. That would be, you know, there's 40 million of us, I don't know, what's that, uh, times 50? Is that the number? Yeah, fifty acres. So that's fifty acres in a mule. I think forty acres plus interest, right? Maybe, but we deserve a lot more interest than that. But I would take a billion acres of land. That that would be a nice, a nice federal proclamation, wouldn't? wouldn't you agree? I, that that would be that would make me happy. And so uh, he says also. So he says that basically the immigration was used to harm you. Uh, the immigration policies in the United States were used to dilute your votes uh, to the point where eventually your votes won't mean anything. Uh, because you're voting for your own demise. They're getting you to vote for open borders, which ultimately will lead to you um, being discriminated against, not just by white people in the United States, but you'll be discriminated against by white people who came from south of the border. Uh, One of the things people don't understand, and this is not me being negative or trying to be the, the asshole in the room, is that if you go to Latin America, you will find that the racism there is worse than it is in the United States. If you go to Brazil, you will find that they hate black people more than they even hate black people here. Uh, They have millions of black people in Brazil that they don't even put on TV. So the point of the matter is to say that anybody who makes you think that there is some sort of broad coalition between black people and every single person who comes from Latin America, that's nonsense. It doesn't mean that there's not a coalition or potential connection with, with say, um, uh, Afro-Latina folks, right? Black folks who are from Latin America, who are like us, who go through what we've gone through. That coalition is real. But the the idea that some blonde hair, blue eyed person can come from Colombia and connect with you because you're black—that is just not true, right? So just make sure you don't go through life thinking that because you're going to be wrong. Now, uh, one other thing, Doctor Anderson mentioned that I did not know is he mentioned that there were actually five, give me a yes or no if you knew this, there were five emancipation proclamations. Did y'all know that? That there were five different emancipation proclamations uh, where black folks were proclaimed to be free, right? And that was just a little factoid. And he asked me specifically to read from his book, uh, The Black History Reader, which everybody should read, Uh, on page 109, and I'm going to read it. What he does is he answers a series of black history questions that they'll never give you the answers to in school. So if you want your child to be versed on black history, I encourage you to have them read this book and have them memorize the answers to all these questions, because that would be an adequate history lesson for them. So hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. And my Instagram is the Real Voice Watkins is right there. So follow me on Instagram if you haven't done it yet. And uh, hit that thumbs up button and put a B1 in the chat once you're done. I'm going to read this to you. It says this on page 109 of the Black History Reader. It says, considering the fact that in the 21st century, blacks are still treated as a socioeconomic underclass and political outgroup, the real legal status of blacks in America is unclear. History reveals that since the founding of this country, there were numerous emancipation proclamations that proposed to end slavery and set blacks free. However, none in fact did that. The nation's first emancipation proclamation was proposed by Lord Dunmore, the British royal governor of Virginia in November 1775 on the eve of the American Revolutionary War. Lord Dunmore offered freedom to any slave who would take up arms against the colonies and fight with the British troops. Again, black folks being used as a pawn, right? He didn't, Lord Dunmore didn't, he could have he freed the slave last Tuesday, right? He could have he done it. He could have did it the week before, but he didn't. He did it then because he said, man, we need these, we need these Negroes. They will be an excellent pawn in our uh, epic battle to fight and, and to preserve our power, right? So so you are consistently used as a pawn for power, right? So you got to understand this is not new. It says, Lord Dunmore offered, okay, so three months later, fearful of the, harmed, of, of the harm, armed and angry slaves would bring to European white colonists, Lord Dunmore reconsidered and withdrew his Emancipation Proclamation of Free the Blacks. So even Lord Dunmore, this man who was your friend, because you even back then you probably had black people saying, yeah, hey, y'all, they trying to help us. Lord Dunmore is our friend. We do call him Uncle Dunmore. Uncle Dunmore, that's my buddy. Even your buddy, Lord Dunmore, who who filed the first Emancipation Proclamation, he said, oh, wait a minute. He got he had a fear of a black planet. He said, wait a minute. If we give guns to these black people. They might use those guns. That's not good. So he withdrew the Emancipation Proclamation. Again, this, this person that was supposed to be your friend wasn't really your friend. How, how often have we seen that? Nearly a century later, in 1852, a second Emancipation Proclamation was dra- drafted in response to Nat Turner's, Nat Turner's slave revolt. So uh, Nat Turner has a slave revolt. They draft another Emancipation Proclamation in 1852. Turner's revolt shook the nation, especially the Southern sa- uh, slaveholding states. So when they see black men stand up, when they see black men stand up as men, that scares everybody, that scares everybody. So Nat Turner stood up like a man. i say to Nat Turner, type Nat Turner in the chat. God bless him. Let's bring him in the room. He needs to hear this. So frightened by the successful slave revolt in Haiti and Nat Turner's revolt in Virginia, many Southern slaveholders indicated a willingness to end black enslavement and resettle blacks into Africa, Texas, or the Caribbean islands. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? So they said that because Matt Turner stood up because he, he he wasn't butt broken, he bucked up on him. And in Haiti, they bucked up on him. That's what happens when you punch the bully in the mouth. The bully starts to reconsider whether or not bullying is an adequate strategy. Right. So Toussaint and Nat bucked up. They showed them what a real man looks like. And they said, you know, maybe we should probably not try to enslave this group of people. Because apparently there's some real men up in the bunch. See, so black men, dear black men, when you start bucking up and start showing your manhood, they're going to say, ah, uh, maybe maybe Tyrone's not fit for slavery. Maybe maybe we need to make another arrangement. And, and, and then they said, we need to get these Negroes out of here. <laughs> they said, we don't want them to be our neighbors because we're scared because white guilt's kicking in. They're thinking, my God, if I were them, I would want to kill me. So they said, look, let's free them. Let's send them to Africa. Texas, or the Caribbean islands. Shortly thereafter, the mere thought of over 4 million angry armed blacks in the streets quickly galvanized Virginia legislators to offer what constituted a third emancipation proclamation that proposed simply to abolish slavery. Ironically, nearly half of Virginia's legislators voted to abolish slavery in Virginia, the birthplace of black American slavery. They came just a few votes short of ending slavery and preventing the civil war that followed. So they came real close to doing the right thing. Now, now, mind you pay attention now. Here's what I'm picking up on this as I'm reading this. I have not read this chapter yet, but this is this is my processing of this. What drove them to do the right thing was not the fact that it was just the right thing to do. They weren't driven to do the right thing because they held hands and saying we shall overcome with you at the local church. They weren't driven to do the right thing because you you had a march and a a protest in the streets. They were driven to do the right thing because you stood up and said, I'm going to make you if if you don't make yourself an honest man today. I'm going to make you an honest man by putting this foot square up your ass. That that's my type of civil rights movement right there. That's my type of. That that's my that. This is the Black history they don't teach you in school. How many of you have ever had a white teacher in in history class ever teach you any of this? How many of you have ever had anybody teach you anything like this at all? Give me a yes in the chat. Give me a no if you haven't. I bet none of you have ever had a white history teacher ever teach you this part of black history? You probably don't even know that there's more than one Emancipation Proclamation. You probably thought there was just one. Abraham Lincoln decided that he wants to free the slaves, and there was a statue of him petting a slave on the head like a damn dog. You might have seen that statue where the slave is down like this, and Abraham Lincoln's petting him on the head. I think I saw, I could have swore I saw, like, no, you don't know, no, no, I saw a mural of Abraham Lincoln when I went to Howard University. Man, y'all got to get rid of that. Come on now. Give me a break. But what made them pass these laws was the fact that black people stood up. Do you understand? They they did this out of fear. You know, again, this is this is how you deal with a bully. You don't deal with a bully by trying to negotiate and be polite and become friends. What you do is you you let the bully know, hey, I'd like to be your friend, but since you're choosing another form of diplomacy, how about I come up and just stab you in the testicles and then we'll just see how how that bullying thing is working out for you. I might still get my ass whooped, but you gonna bleed too, and that's what Nat Turner did for you. That's the that's the legacy this man left for you. Sure, he died early. He like my grandfather that went out. You know, I told you about my grandfather Albert Sanders who hit the white man upside the head with a brick because he called his wife the n word and stepped on her foot, and and then they lynched him. They killed him. But I'm talking about Albert a hundred years later because he died as a man, and I'm very proud of that. If he lived as a coward, I probably wouldn't even know who he was. So, so just know that sometimes going out for the right reason is better than living a shameful, pathetic life. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. I'm going to keep reading this and I got to go pick up my daughter. Today's my birthday and we got to, we're doing birthday party stuff, but I, I, but y'all, I love y'all and I got to come. I, I love Dr. Anderson. I talked to him. He shared this. I wanted to share it while I was fresh. Uh, he's not feeling well. That's why he can't come in right now. But the minute he feels better, he will be back. Uh, but I, I told him, I said, anything you need, um, I, I'm I'm here for you. So here's, here, I'm going to read the rest to you. It says, a few years later, on January 1st, 1863, after the Civil War had begun, President Abraham Lincoln reluctantly offered the well-known fourth Emancipation Proclamation that, that did not free a single black slave. Even though it was symbolic, it gave blacks some sense of hope which they recall annually on Juneteenth day. Contrary to what so many blacks believe, pay attention now, he's giving you the facts here. Contrary to what so many blacks believe, Abraham Lincoln signed the well-known Emancipation Proclamation in an effort to save the union, not out of love or compassion for black slaves. So again, just like in the 2020 presidential election, 200 years ago, you was also being used as a pawn. You were always a pawn in somebody else's bigger battle. So, so he was trying to save the Union. They said Lincoln's Proclamation was a propaganda ploy to lift the spirits of the tired Union troops, as well as expectant blacks. The Proclamation announced that all persons held as slaves within any state in the rebellion against the United States were henceforth forever free. President Lincoln had no control over the rebelling Southern states and had no constitutional authority to abolish slavery in the loyal states. Consequently, black slaves actually had to wait until the end of the Civil War and the passage of the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution before they gained quasi-freedom. So the Emancipation Proclamation did not free you. That is a fact. Get mad if you want to, but that is a fact. We have receipts. Let's take a moment and process that, please, because I kind of need us to think about this before we start kind of just moving on and acting like we didn't just hear something that was really significant in our lives. Now, let's go to the Fifth Emancipation Proclamation. Please hit the thumbs up button. A Fifth Emancipation Proclamation was proposed by the Southern Confederacy in the closing months of the Civil War. Some of its most prominent leaders wanted to use their Emancipation Proclamation to recruit black slaves to fight the Civil War on behalf of the South. Again, use you as a pawn right? We're going to give you quasi-freedom or promise you something in exchange for you coming to help us get more power. General Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis, the president of the Southern Confederacy... (laughs) Ain't this this something? The South, the the Confederacy had an Emancipation Proclamation. So uh, let me read this again. General Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis, the president of the Southern Confederacy, you know, the ones with the Dixie flags, announced in their Emancipation Proclamation... Willingness to free the slaves in exchange for official recognition from the North that the South was an independent and sovereign territory. The North refused. Even so, the Confe- the Southern Confederacy finally decided to set blacks free. But by then, it was too late. The war was over and the Southern Confederacy had lost. Five different emancipation proclamations were proposed, but none of them actually ended slavery. Each of the above five emancipation proclamations was issued for a specific purpose of the issuer but none ever went into effect nor ended slavery. The proclamations excited blacks, but did not free them. they uh, How familiar is that? They give you something that got you screaming praises in the, in the pews of the church. Yeah, Lord, that's Jesus. Ah! Got you all excited. Got you all emotionally invested in a big ball of nothing. They feed you a big, gigantic 50-pound nothing burger. And you feel like you eating a, a steak dinner or a delicious meal. And you are eating a big burger made out of nothing. <laughs> so, it says, so it says also here, I'm going to read this last part. The proclamations excited blacks but did not free them. This is the reason the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was necessary. Even then, the freedom offered was tenuous, qualified, and led to Jim Crow semi-slavery. So really, you still ain't free. You really, you, you still ain't free. And, and 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 I mean, but process this for a moment. This last paragraph is a trip that, that the the actual <laughs> the only emancipation proclamation out of the five that was actually executed was executed in the, South. In, in the South. And again, using you as a pawn to get power for themselves. So that's a that's a, actually a good thing. And, and it's, it's a it's a bad thing, but it's a good thing in an awkward kind of way. So here's what I'm seeing right now. The North and the South are going back and forth at it with each other. So the North says, hey, Negroes, if you help us out, we'll give you a better deal. And then the South says, well, well, if you help us out, we'll give you an even better deal. Well, I don't think that's too terrible. I think that's actually, that's what you call negotiation. That's what you call using your leverage, maybe. I don't know. I mean, because I think about this, right? You you think about when Ice Cube was meeting with the Biden administration and and they were saying, we're not going to give you nothing because we don't owe you nothing. But then he said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go talk to the other side and see what they'll do. And so then they come along and they say, well, we'll give you half. We'll give you this. You know, we'll give you a big infrastructure plan. I I forget how many billions of dollars it was or whatever. Right. Again, I I don't know. Again, maybe they were BSing. Maybe they were lying. I don't know. I don't remember the exact numbers, but, but they were negotiating because they were in a tug of war and black people had the leverage. We were the tipping point. We are the only major voting bloc that exists in America. So the direction of our vote can change the direction of the country. Malcolm X said that 60 years ago. This ain't nothing new. Malcolm said that. Don't read his speech, the ballot or the bullet. That's what he says. He says, you have the power to change the whole election, but you don't want to go and actually negotiate you're like, well, if I, if I talk to the conservatives, that means they're going to call me a Trump supporter. <laughs> no, you're not a Trump supporter unless they earn your support. But my God, the worst way on earth to ever negotiate anything is to commit to something when nothing has been promised to you. Do you understand? In every negotiating book ever written, they will tell you that that is the dumbest way on earth to negotiate is to overcommit. I taught stock options at at Syracuse University. First thing that we teach them is that options always have a non-negative value, that when you have options, you have something of value. So when somebody takes away your options or you give your options away, you should be compensated for that. They should be paying you for that. You give your options away for nothing. What is wrong with you? How stupid and crazy do you have to be to give your option away for nothing? That's my conversation on Juneteenth. I don't hate the holiday. I'm so happy that you get the day off. I swear to God. I have no reason to hate the Juneteenth holiday or to say Juneteenth is for suckers, or if you celebrate Juneteenth, you're stupid. The word Juneteenth does not offend me at all. I think that's fine. But what I'm simply saying is that Juneteenth is like receiving. It's like, it's like uh my brother, uh, I think it was either said Cedric, Cedric Muhammad or, Derek or or Wesley Muhammad. I can't remember which brother. I, I It was a brother from the nation. I got to go find out who it was so I can give him credit. He said that if you go to a restaurant and you order a steak dinner <laughs> and then they bring you the gravy, you're going to say, that's not what I ordered. You're not going to sit down and have a dinner of gravy and act like everything's okay. You're going to say, I'm sorry, that's not what I ordered. Please bring me my steak and my baked potatoes. Well, the Juneteenth holiday is in that category. That's like getting gravy when that's not what Black people ordered. You didn't order a Juneteenth federal holiday. You ordered reparations. That's what you ordered. You ordered some other things. You, you, reparations is, is near the top of that list of things you ordered. So they're delivering something to you that you did not order because what they're delivering to you is something that is called symbolism and symbolism has no price there is no challenge for them to deliver to you more symbolism because that's what they've been feeding you for hundreds and hundreds of years. Do you get what I am saying? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Well, I'm going to go. I shouldn't be getting this mad on my birthday, and I and I got to get out of here, and I'm going to go spend time with my family. But I wanted to share this message because I spoke to Dr. Anderson today, and I wanted to share it while I was fresh in my brain, and, I, and I'm going to allow you, based on what I just shared with you, to form your own point of view on all of this, but you know pretty much where I stand. I'm not real excited about the Juneteenth holiday. That's not a big deal to me. It's easy. It's a nothing burger for the most part. All right. So I'm going to go guys, hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button before you go. My Instagram is the real boys Watkins. Please feel free to follow me there. Also, if you want to come and hang out with us in the Black Business School, we have stock market investing class every Tuesday. Uh, we have crypto class also Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. So if you want to join and uh, you want to just talk to one of our people or get started for free, go to theblackbusinessschool.com. The URL is right there on the screen. The Black Business School sponsors everything that we're doing out in the community. So God bless you guys have a great day. Happy Father's Day to all the real daddies out there. And and I'm not talking about biological daddies. I'm talking about daddies who are doing the damn daddy thing. The, The father is precious. The father is important. The father is the protector, provider, the regulator. You hold it down. You protect the community. Building a better black man is critical to building a better black community. You cannot move the community forward without the black man. And you cannot move the community forward without supporting the black woman. So let's support each other. Let's make ourselves great. And God bless all of you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Peace.
1: Here we are, clandidisms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out, out here, here doing it, but we the ones who lay. Not family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to Cosine for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same, and buy back your home. Got three degrees.